Excuse me just a second. Wow. <laughs> I hope you've been blessed this morning. And I hope that the word of the Lord that we're about to get into will bless you also. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, for those regular attenders, we are deviating from our Mark study. And we'll continue that next week. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. And I want you to keep your Bibles open. Because in just a moment, with very little warning, we're going to read the first nine verses. But let me have your attention. It was about 9 or 9.30 that morning when they finally crucified Jesus. When they finally drove the nails in his hands and feet, it was the culmination of six to eight hours of nothing but abuse. He had been under arrest since shortly after midnight. And they didn't treat their, their prisoners as good as we treat our prisoners in modern day world. During those early morning hours, he was spit on. His beard was pulled. His hair was pulled. They put on, him a, on his head a crown of thorns. And it wasn't the, the rosebush thorns. These thorns were four to six inches long, hard as nails, and sharp as razors. And not only did they put that crown of thorns on his head, they took the staff, the makeshift staff they had given him, and they beat him over the head with it until blood flowed freely from his scalp, the most vascular part of his, your body. Crucifixion Day. Tradition has screamed at us for years that it's Friday. Certainly Friday is a symbol for crucifixion. On Friday, things looked pretty bleak. On Friday, blood flowed. On Friday, life ebbed. On Friday, hope seemed gone. On Friday, evil ran amok. And on Friday, death was sure. On Friday, so much was so bad. That the, that the multitudes had followed Jesus, that the crowd, that the disciples who had followed Jesus felt like everything that they had was coming to an end. In fact, years ago, Ian Lockridge, a black preacher, preached a message entitled, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Some of you have seen this before. I'm going to ask Steve to dim the lights. If you will, cast your attention on the screen. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilified. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denied. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scars. They crown him with stones. But they don't know that Sunday's come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. 
and his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. You will take your Bibles now. It was Friday. Let's hear the rest of the story. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise and they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Father, I pray that you'll bless our next moments together. I pray that you will open our hearts like you opened the tomb. And that we will receive today what you have for us to receive. In your name, amen. Can you imagine that resurrection day? 
Crucifixion Day had left so much hurt and so much despair in so many hearts that it's hard to comprehend what they felt when they came to the tomb that day. But here's what I want us to do just for the next few moments. I want you and I to go to the tomb. Like we're the first ones there, like they were. I don't want us to consider how they felt. I want us to consider what we would have felt. Consider five things with me. First of all, I want you to think about what they found. Think about what they found. And I just want to tell you, they didn't find what they expected to find. They found the stone rolled away. They found the tomb empty. They didn't expect to find the stone rolled away. In fact, if you go to Mark's gospel, here's what's said. The ladies are on the way to the tomb and they say, who's going to roll the stone away for us? It was an obstacle. And when they got there, you ready for this? They didn't have to have a man to roll the stone away because God had already removed the obstacle to Jesus. May I say this to you today? God still removes obstacles for us. They were worried about getting into Jesus, but God made a way for Jesus to get out to them. On the resurrection day, on every resurrection day, particularly on this verse in our Lord, removed the obstacle to Jesus, removed the obstacle to life. They found the door open. They found the tomb open. And today the door is still open to Jesus. That's not all. They didn't find the, the stone like they thought it was going to be. And they also found the tomb empty. They didn't expect to find the tomb empty. Well, it wasn't quite empty. I just want to say that it wasn't quite empty. You see, Jesus had raised to give new life. And you know what he did? He left all the garb of his old life in the tomb. You know what that tells us today? That when we come to Jesus, when we find the new life that's in Jesus, there's some things that we have to leave behind. There are some things we just want to let them lay where they are. While they found nothing they expected to find at the tomb, please listen, they found everything they needed. Think about what they found. Second thing, think about what they felt. Think about what they felt for crying out loud. If you look in verse 4, it says, while they were perplexed. I'd just like to know, by show of hands, how many of you have used the term perplexed in your vocabulary this last week? All right, we've got one guy here. We'll, we'll get him a dictionary so that he can... Uh, no, I'm teasing, man. That's cool. Perplexed. Is actually, in the original language, it means that they were very much perplexed or, or very greatly perplexed. If I put it in good old Alabama language, here's the deal. They were speechless. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to think. They didn't know what was going on. In simpler terms... They had come to the tomb, and now they are wondering... What is taking place? What in the world is going on? They come to the tomb. The tomb. Can I suggest to you that one of the reasons that they were so ill at ease with what was going on was because they were at the place of death? Now, I know some of you don't, not don't like this illustration, but let me just tell you. Either by responsibility, obligation, or privilege, over my lifetime, I've had many times to be in the places of death. 
I want to say this to you. They were in the place of death if something strange was happening. When you are in the place of death, you want nothing strange to happen. Let me illustrate. I worked for two years at a funeral home. One of my responsibilities was to go on pickups. Can everybody put in your mind what I was picking up? This means yes, this means no. You look wide-eyed. Let me just tell you something. If I picked up somebody's loved one, and I carried them into the funeral home, and put them over on the uh, preparation table, and I went over here to log them in, you know what I didn't want? I didn't want anything strange to happen in that room. I did not want to turn around and they have swapped ends on that table. I didn't want to turn around and... They rolled up on their side or set up or raised their arm. I didn't want that to happen. I really didn't want to turn around and they'd be gone. <laughs> you see, when we get in the place of death, we really don't want something strange to happen. But that's exactly what they found when they got to the tomb. They were standing at the tomb expecting to see the, the stone over the tomb. They were expecting to find the body of Jesus and they felt, found nothing. What would you have felt? Let's just be honest. Some of you would have run faster away from the tomb than you got when you got to the tomb. Could I get an amen? Well, let me just let me raise the level a little bit. Don't just think about what they felt, found and felt, but think about what they saw. Think about what they saw. And just when things are getting bizarre, they look around and there are two men there. Well, that's not too bad, except these two men have what the Scripture calls dazzling clothes. Now, ladies, this is more than sequin gowns. This is dazzling clothes. It's shining. It's like lightning. So, I'm thinking about this in the context of the story, and I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just trying to put myself in the place of those people. We have come. The tomb's open. The body's gone. And I'm seeing these two guys. Can anybody say ghost? I mean, you look there and you think, good gracious, what are they? Now, we know these two men were angelic beings or angels. So now they've encountered the divine. And the scriptures say that they knew that because they bowed. Look, if you look there in verse, in verse 5, they were frightened. And they bowed their faces to the ground. You know what is consistent through God's Word? It doesn't matter how prideful a person is. When a human being comes in contact with a heavenly being, there is a sense of fear and awe. It has a way of humbling. In the Old Testament, Isaiah saw the Lord. He's on his face saying, I'm unworthy, I'm unclean, I'm done. When Zechariah saw the angel, and the angel was telling him they were going to have a baby and he would become John the Baptist, he fell down. Mary, when the angel came to tell Mary about Jesus, she fell down. When the three disciples were on Mount, the 18, Peter, James, and John were on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Elijah and Moses, oh, by the way, happened to show up in their glorified body. Those three disciples were on the ground. By the way, John repeated that in Revelation chapter 1 when he saw the glorified Jesus one more time. He's on his face. You see, folks, I believe what we need in, let's not go to the culture, I believe what we need in this building today is one 
one new vision of heavenly being so that we can have some fear and awe and respect again for who He is. The truth is, they didn't expect it to see this. Seeing it, everything had changed. But to see these two men meant one thing. I am guessing, this is not Scripture, this is Jerry Watts. You can put your spin on it. I am guessing those two angels had their, the crowd's full attention. They would have had mine. You see, that's what God wants. He wants our full attention. Now, if you think about how this has been staged, here's what I'll tell you. They found nothing they expected to find. They felt fear and awe and respect because of what they saw. But then, when, when God and these angels have their full attention, think about what they heard. Verses 5 through 7 give us the actual words from these men that we know as angels. They begin with a question. They say, why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, for us today, that's a pretty cool question. For us today, because we know Jesus came back, but these folks are standing there at the tomb, still scratching their head as what's really going on. But I'm just, I'm going to play the devil's advocate a second. That's, that question may not have made sense to those guys here. Why seek the living among the dead? Listen, they were standing at a tomb. Can everybody nod your head or say amen that you know what generally resides in a grave? It's a dead person. Could I get an amen? This question that may not have even made sense to them. I mean, they had seen Jesus hung on the cross. They probably, when they took him down, had seen the big gaping wound in his side and knew that his heart had been ruptured because of that bloody water. They knew he was mortally wounded. They, had, they knew that he had been laid in the ground. How could this be a place of life? Well, folks, this is the exciting part because the angels asked the question and then they went on to say, He is not here. Well, that was obvious. But listen, they said, He is alive. And if I'd have been in the crowd, I'd go, Say what? Alive? You see, the truth is, the grave was a place of death until Jesus got there. You see, just like our lives are a place of death, the Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sin apart from Christ. But you see, when Jesus walks in, death walks And here is the victory that we can find in Jesus today. Here is the victory we can find in Jesus. The last enemy of mankind is this thing called death. There are people who are afraid to die. But listen, Jesus died so that we don't have to die eternally. 
Oh, you may die physically, but when you come to Jesus and He puts a new life and a new person in you, just like Shelby celebrated this morning, when He comes in and puts a new life and a new person in you, gives you a new way to walk, a new way to talk, a new way to love, a new way to live, a new way to act, and a new destination for eternity, when He gives you that, then one day when you face physical death of this life, you don't have to cross Jordan alone. You don't have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death by yourself. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Folks, why seek the living among the dead? I'm afraid too many of us seek the dead among the living. He's not here. He's risen. He's alive. Wouldn't you like to have been there and heard that message? Wouldn't you like to go into the tomb and been a part of that crowd? Wow. Think about what they felt, the found, felt, heard, saw. But also think about what they knew. What they knew. If you look in verse um, 6 and verse 7, you see that the, that the angel said, remember how he told you. Remember it. That son of man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Verse 8, watch this. And they remembered. You know what that means? That means they already knew it. Certainly Jesus had tried to convey it to them. But, you know, folks, let's be honest and let's give these guys a little bit of a break. So often when we experience death... It hurts us so deeply that we forget things that we know. We forget things. And I would suggest to you that their hearts were so hurt, they'd just forgotten it. I mean, let me just give you one for instance when Jesus tried to teach them. One for instance. You go to Matthew chapter 16, and we all know that it's when Jesus came and gave his disciples the pop test. said, who do people say that I am? Well, some say John the Baptist, maybe Elijah, maybe one of the prophets. Well, guys, who do you say that I am? And old Peter, Mr. Got, Mr. I've got to speak first guy, says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, you're right, Peter. He said, if I'm a faith like this, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, by the way. And when he got through saying that, the next verse is, he told his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem. He had to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He had to be crucified, suffer and crucified and die. And raised again. Why? To give power to that church that he was building. He tried to explain it to them. And here's the truth. Now, please listen. Connect the dots here. Friday was such a traumatic experience that they couldn't get over it on Sunday morning. Standing at the tomb, standing in the face of life, they couldn't get over it. What if they hadn't gone to the tomb? They would have had nothing. They would have found nothing. They would have felt nothing, seen nothing, heard nothing, and remembered little. But it's at the tomb where there is a life-changing, life-altering event when you encounter the living Lord. Friday night, not so good. Sunday morning, victory. What great worship this morning. Thank you for the way that you sung unto Him. 
But I want to, as we begin to conclude our message, I want to make this personal for you. Oh, boy, it's one thing to get in there and hear E.M. Lockridge or, or Tony Evans, whoever preaches this message. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Yay, yay, yay. But it's another thing to really personalize it. In these minutes that remain, I want you to compare the feelings of Friday to the feelings of Sunday morning. And I submit to you, if you've not listened to this point, I'm going to ask you to give me the next five to ten minutes. I submit to you that there are some people that are living their lives today on Friday night. You see, Friday had a sense of fear and despair and defeat and uncertainty. Friday had the feeling of death. Friday had the, sen- had the sense of hopelessness and helplessness. Friday had the sense that evil was winning. Some in here know this very well. Either your health is failing, you think your friends are abandoning you, your finances are a joke, your family's falling apart, or it seems so. And that one sin that you can't seem to turn loose of is having a field day in your life. It's Friday for you. You're lonely, you're hurting, and maybe even afraid of what lies ahead for you. Oh, yeah, it's true. Our, uh, our culture likes the TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. But you know the Friday of the Bible. You see it as a sad day, a hard day. A day of suffering, a day of betrayal, a day of death. Let me make this honest and personal just for a second. On crucifixion day, the disciples, in large part, abandoned Jesus. There are even some people in this room today who feel like God has abandoned you. You feel like He don't even know your name. You're living on Friday. Some of you feel like you got the weight of the world on your shoulders on this Easter Resurrection Day weekend. You're living on Friday. But thanks be to God, you don't have to live like that. Jesus went through Friday so that we don't have to. You can move to Sunday. You can, Sunday has come. The stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty and life has returned. Deuteronomy tells us from the Lord, I will never leave you or forsake you. You say, Brother Jerry, but evil's running amok today. And you're right. It is. Please listen. 
And it's not going to be long before the devil gets what's due him. But if you come to Christ, you let him take you from Friday night to Sunday. You know what will happen? You'll find forgiveness. You'll find new life. You'll find help. You'll find hope. You'll find a companion who walks with you each and every day. And then one day, you will get what he gives you. If you're like that, remember his words. He said, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And in me, Jesus says, you will find rest for your soul. Are you one of those living on Friday night? I invite you to Sunday. Friday brings pain. Sunday brings peace. Friday brings defeat. Sunday brings victory. Friday brings death. Sunday brings life. Jesus is life. Let me just remind you. Less than 24 hours before he was in the ground, Jesus looked around the room in that upper room, and he told, God, he told the guys, he said, Hey, you guys, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except by me. If you'll come to the tomb today, you know what you'll discover? You'll discover that Jesus is who he said he is. He'll be your savior, your companion. He'll be your friend. He'll be your counselor. He'll walk with you. He'll talk with you. But you'll not only find he is who he says he is, you'll find that he can do what he says he will do. He will give you that forgiveness. He will give you a new life. He will give you hope. He will give you help. And he will save your soul for time and eternity. If only you will come to him. I must tell you a personal testimony. Were I Jesus, and if I died for your sin sick soul, I wouldn't give you a choice. If I spread my arms and took the nails, crossed my feet, and took the nail, if I endured the shame of a scourge, if I wore a crown of thorns for you, you're going to do it. But aren't you glad that God loves us more than Brother Jerry? Well, I'm not sure that was a good place for an amen. (laughs) But he gives you a choice. He gives you a choice. Will you come to Him? You may need to come to Him for the first time. You may need to come to Him, invite Him into your life. Trust Him as your Savior. What a great day to spend. What a great way to celebrate Resurrection Day. But perhaps you've already come to Him and He's he's there, but man, you've pushed Him to the side. Maybe you need to come back to Him. Whatever it is, will you come?
Let's pray together.